The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. This morning, we are landing the series, um, Wealth Operating System. We are in part four, and um, it's the concluding part. We encourage us to um, get the series on download it online, and listen to these words over again, and, and God will change your life. We are confident in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so today, before we get into our next app, you know, because when we establish the fact that what, when God said to man, be fruitful and multiply, the word God said actually means God instructed in the sense that he, he like a, an instruction set, like a program, like a coded man. And we explained that we have been coded to conquer. We have been wired for wealth. We have been designed for dominion. And we should operate in our wealth operating system. And, and we established that and explained how, how it works and all that. And we began to look at since we have a wealth of system, I've taken the analogy of mobile phones and, 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 and computers, we can as well build on that and saying that there are apps that run on the OSs that we have. So we began by looking at the different apps that um, run on this wealth operating system. Today we are going to look at, last week we looked at two of those apps. Today we are going to look at four of those apps, God helping us. And uh, before we get dive into the apps, you know, I, I just want to share some thoughts with us about how the Jews actually make sure that from generation to generation they are resilient, they are powerful, they are wealthy, and it's 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 in the wisdom they teach their children. And we're going to talk about a few of those before we go into the next app. The Jew teach their children that wealth is spiritual. They teach their children that money is spiritual. Money is not um, naira and kobo. It's not pounds and dollars or euros. They teach their children that money is spiritual. So you need to engage the spirituality of money and work it, then the physicality of money, I mean, just comes, becomes effortless. So if we operate from the spiritual standpoint, knowing that money is spiritual, we are able to achieve a whole lot more. In fact, if you look at different things in our lives, if we draw a, um, a spectrum of spiritual and non-spiritual. If we look at different things in our lives, if you have a spectrum, and this spectrum we have spiritual, and this section we have non-spiritual. 
It's actually spiritual. Just, just believe it. <laughs> you know, and um, in the middle, you have something there. Now, if you take our different activities as human beings, we, you can classify them as, diff, as different and varying degrees of spirituality, whether it's a spiritual activity or whether it's a non-spiritual. I don't want to say carnal so that you don't think it's wrong or, or bad, you know, but non-spiritual nonetheless. So if you take um, prayer, where will you put prayer? Spiritual, non-spiritual? Spiritual. So it's like you can even draw the line here to put prayer here. Okay. Where would you put something like um, watching Premiership on TV or Champions League on TV or the rich also cry? <laughs> or tell even though. Where would you put it? Spiritual or non-spiritual? Non-spiritual. So we put TV somewhere there. Where would you put an activity like eating? You put food in the middle because food can easily become spiritual. Easily. As food can be purely non-spiritual. So where will you put something like ice cream? Ice cream lovers. What's ice cream? Ice cream is spiritual. I remember people think ice cream is spiritual. You know? <laughs> Their hands actually going up. <laughs> you know? So I would say ice cream will be somewhere here. Uh, uh, ice cream is here. It's not spiritual. Even though you see visions <laughs> when you take ice cream, it's not spiritual. Now, now the, 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 the bottom line of what I'm saying is this Where would you put money? Most people before now will put money here. But the Jews and the God of the Jews, our God, Saying money is somewhere here with prayer. Spiritual. That paradigm changes a lot because it changes how you interact, how you see your lack of money or your abundance of money. It is purely spiritual. Everyone say money is spiritual. Another thing the Jews inculcate in, in their children is the fact that it's what, it's what is known as specialization. So they, they say to their children that don't waste time doing that which you can get somebody else to do better. Don't waste time doing. The Jew never mourns his own lawn. If he's a doctor, he will not come out to be, be cutting his grass. He will pay somebody else to do it. The Jews will not open his bonnet and begin to tinker and try to fix his car. If he's, let's say, a teacher or something, he will pay someone to do it. But the black man wants to do everything. We will cut the grass, we fix the generator, we prepare the roof, we, what else do we do? We do everything. But listen, God wants you to step back. I said this a long time ago. 
I, 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 I wrestle to do what only me can do. Every other thing, I get somebody else that can do it better and pay them to do it. My grass at home, I don't cut my garden. I don't cut it. I hire a gardener and he does it. Can I cut it? Who can't cut it? Just give me a cutlass. I can cut it. But it will not be as fine. Praise the name of the Lord. I have a cook. Him? Brilliant cook. Can I cook? Maybe concussion. But I will eat something. Pay the cook. So, is it because you have a lot of money? That's why you, no, 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 no. It actually leads to a lot of money. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Because it frees you up to do what only you can do, to think. It makes room, on the other hand, for all other God's children to earn a living. So you are actually doing good by employing someone. You are sowing a seed into the spiritual that will provoke wealth to come in your way. So I pay my gardener. When I pay my gardener, I have actually not lost money. Ah. When I pay my gardener, I have created employment. Number two, I have triggered the spiritual because I have taken care of one of God's children. And I have a beautiful garden to show for it. How is that a loss? It's never a loss. Stop trying to do everything. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you need to show up. There's a time, actually, a season where it appears that you have to do everything. I understand that. You know, even as an entrepreneur, there's a time you are doing the books, you are, um, you are the front desk officer, you're answering the phones, you are making the sales calls, you are, you are doing everything. You have to. But you see, always work yourself out of the job. Always work yourself out of the job. So I'm doing everything now because I have to do it. I'm always working myself out of that job. Always. Getting somebody else to do it. It is so powerful. It is so, so powerful. Because it, what it triggers, since money is spiritual, what it triggers is like, it's, it's like you are sowing a seed. You are seeding the cloud by specializing. In other words, it also frees you to be more useful to people God has called you to serve. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, another thing, Jewish wisdom, ancient Jewish wisdom, is that if you check the English language, there's a word for winning money and there's a word for earning money. If you check Spanish and French, in Spanish and French, French is a single word for both winning money and earning money. So it depends on the context. So it's the same word for winning money and for earning money. But if you check the Hebrew, the Hebrew only has word for earning money. 
The Hebrew doesn't have any word for winning money. So as far as winning money is concerned, it doesn't exist to the Jew. So the children are taught to earn money. Earn it. Underdeveloped nations, we think that we can win money one way or the other. Oh, that is, for most people that are praying for a breakthrough, that is the mindset they have. They want a breakthrough. A breakthrough for what? A windfall. Windfall of what? Of money. Someone finishes from school. What do you want to do? I want to hammer. What does that even mean? I want to make it. What does it mean? But for the Jew, as he's growing up, he knows I need to produce value so that I can earn money. Because there's nothing like winning money. You know, like we learned last week, we can make money or we can take money. You can take money from people, you can defraud them, do them for one night, steal from them. That's, God cannot smile on that. You have to earn money, which is make money, which is you need to produce value, product, or service. Praise the name of the Lord. Because, you see, Winning money and lose and any money, totally different. Totally different. That's why, that's why I don't gamble. Because when you gamble, you want to win money. <laughs> but you know what? Every time you win money, somebody else loses money. So every time you win money, there's, there's always someone else that loses. There's always a victim. Even if it's a lottery. It's just like they collected money from everybody. <laughs> and one person, so everybody else is, is the loser. But whenever you earn money, both parties have value. And both parties are happy. So, which means I sell a phone to you you're happy because you have the phone you want. I'm happy because I have the, the money I want. Playing games, you're tempted to bet. I don't bet. So one day I was, I was uh, paired to play with some guy. I've known him. He's Korean. He plays very good golf. He's like nine handicap, single handicap. And, you know, and, and he said to me, Pastor, we have to bet. I said, Oga, I don't bet. He says, no, 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 no. You have to bet, you have to bet, you have to bet. So I was like, God, but how do I escape this thing? So God gave me wisdom. So, so I, the game started. But that's, God will have it. That day, I beat Shege <laughs> out of his body. <laughs> So I just wanted small money. So I collected him. At the end of the game, I called him. I said, listen, I don't bet. Take your money back. He refused. He didn't take it out of honor. So I called all the other guys that are serving in the place, and I gave them the money. I distributed the money to them. 
because I don't win money. I earn money. I earn money. You can say, oh, what's wrong with it? But you worked for it. You see, you need to understand how heaven see things and align with it and watch what will happen to you. Just align with heaven and watch what will happen. Oh, but you sweated to play the game. My win is his loss. Yeah, because till today, he texted this guy, he texted me on Saturday, Friday, that do I want to play yesterday? He says, Pastor, you chop my money, I want to chop my money back. He's, he's so pained because he didn't lose more money. And he saw me, I just distributed it to all the guys there. And I walked away free. Praise the name of the Lord. I said, I'm going to get this guy back. And I've been running away since then. <laughs> I don't know. I've not played it. I, keep, I kept running. He told everybody there. This guy chopped my money and ran away. Don't gamble. Don't gamble. Don't do it. Don't do it. Focus on earning. Focus on what? Earning. Why? Because earning is superior to gambling. Earning money is superior to winning, sorry, money. Earning money is superior to winning money. God wants you to operate on, at that level of earning, which is superior to, to winning. There is no word for winning in the Hebrew. Also, in the Hebrew, there is no word for retirement in the Hebrew. No word for retirement. Do you know what that means? God expects you to produce fruit even in old age. Did you see that in scriptures? In the old, in, at old age, they keep bearing fruit. God expects you to keep bearing fruit. Walk till you drop. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that how God see things many times is, is different from how we see, see things. When a company, maybe a corporate organization, maybe a bank, an insurance company, or telecom company, whatever, when they set up their organization and they, em- they employ people, as far as heaven is concerned, they have done good. They are doing good. But society pressures company to do um, CSR, what they call social, corporate social responsibility. Uh, otherwise, you won't have good rep and all that stuff. So companies are not even, they are, they are just doing it for marketing purposes. Now listen, as far as God is concerned, they don't need to do it before they have done good. The fact that the company exists by itself is good for heaven, and heaven is smiling on it, and that is channeled the workshop that heaven is excited about. So, what am I saying? Monetary reward received for a service rendered does not diminish or corrupt the virtue of the service. When you receive money for serving, for working, it doesn't reduce the value of, in fact, now the question is this. I asked the question, I think, in, in part one. Who did the most good? Bill Gates or Mother Teresa? Okay, Steve Jobs or Mother Teresa? Since both of them are late, let's, let's 
leave Bill Gates out of it. He's still alive. Who, who did the most good? It is Steve Jobs by heaven's standard. Now, it doesn't take away from Mother Teresa's work. Mother Teresa's work is beautiful. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, people are not happy that I say Mother Teresa's. <laughs> Listen, for every poor person Mother Teresa helped, Steve Jobs probably created 10 wealthy people for every poor person. Isn't that good? That's, that's beautiful. If you, if you look at um, even how Apostle Paul thinks about these things, he's a, he works as a tent maker. He doesn't depend on ministry for finances. But he was saying to them that in 1 Corinthians, that if I, 1 Corinthians 9, that 11, it says, if, if we have sown the good seed of spiritual things, in you. He says, is it too much if we rip material things from you? Now, we're in a society that wants to make people that are serving God, pastors look like thieves, look like beggars, look like but that's not how God thinks. Praise the name of the Lord. In fact, the NLT puts it this way. It says, since we have planted spiritual seed, the question is, has spiritual seed been planted? That's the question. So, since we have planted spiritual seeds among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical things? It doesn't diminish it. It doesn't diminish the value. In fact, God says it is the, the physical things are no big deals. Because it can't even compare. How much can you pay for someone who has a bad blood system and God healed her. How much can you pay for a man that was practically going blind? God gave him fresh pair of eyes. How much is that worth? How much do you pay for people that are eternally bound to go to hell but found Jesus and have a change of heart? How much is that worth? We can calculate it. So when you produce you are actually doing good in that production, in itself. It has the inherent value of good in it. It does. If you look at the, the greatest good anyone has ever done in the history of the world, the greatest good anyone has ever done is, is, is God sending Jesus to die for us. Do you agree with that? That is the greatest good. It is the greatest good anyone has ever done. But if you look at Hebrews 2.10, it shows us that God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children to glory. How? By sacrificing his only son. So, God wanted a family. He sacrificed a son and got a family. Does that make that sacrifice selfish? Does it make it worthless? For God so loved the world, the objective of that sacrifice is love. The product of that sacrifice, the consequence of that sacrifice is souls. When you can't convince me that just give to God, don't expect anything in return. Oh, if you're expecting in return, you're not a good Christian, you are carnal. There's nothing like that. It's not in the Bible. 
It's not in the Bible. The Bible says, give, and it will come back to you. <laughs> Should I pretend that doesn't exist? You can't just pretend that. That is the word of God. While receiving is not the goal, while love, obedience, and service to God can be the goal of our giving, harvest is the consequence of our giving. You will get a harvest. Take it to the bank. Constant. Praise the name of the Lord. So, I, I want to lay those foundations before we dive into the app. So, we're going to dive straight into the app. App number... Number what? Six. Number six. <laughs> the character app. The character app. Psalm 119 verse 9. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man stay pure? How can a young man cleanse his ways? It says, by obeying your word, by taking heed to your word. So we see that the word of God is the foundation for character. For you to be wealthy, you have to build character. God doesn't want that when people do business with you, they are afraid you are going to cheat them. God wants when people do business with you, they are confident that you are not going to cheat them. I was a character. Character is so important with God. Character displayed to other people and character as a foundation for building our lives. Character to say no to what you should say no to. Character to say yes to what you should say yes to. But unfortunately, most people don't have the strength of character to be wealthy. But you, we have the strength of character to be wealthy. Say amen. Come on. Even if you are writing, you can say amen with your mouth. Say amen. amen. You will have the strength of character to be wealthy. In the name of Jesus. In Proverbs 21, 17, Proverbs 21, 17, the word of God says that those who love pleasure become poor. And those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. Can you see that? You would think, oh, it's the other way around. No. God is saying, if you love, <laughs> you must have the strength of character to say no to Pleasure. Like fasting. You know, some people cannot fast to save their lives. It's time to fast. If you are fasting, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Good. You say you are going to fast, but when you get to the office, that is when everybody is buying mama put. Does that happen to you? That is it's as if the devil just arranges it for you. And you look at it and say, ah, just one day. <laughs> Character, character, character. You're on Twitter when you're fasting. That's when they are posting pictures of food arrangement. That's when GT Bank will say that come and eat all you can. The devil is a liar. 
Nothing against GT Bank. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I, I, I'm just saying, that is where everything is enticing you. But the Bible says those who love pleasure become poor. That's when you see the bag that it's... How can you buy a bag that is your five-month salary? One bag. You're carrying five-month salary. The thing should be very heavy like this. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, it is the word of God. If you love wine and luxury, you have to... In fact, the, the ancient Jewish wisdom teaches from generation to generation that, number one, to become better at doing the hard things. What are the things you find hard? You have to try. You, have I been breaking at six? That is easy. Costing is hard. Begin to cost. That's what ancient Jewish wisdom teaches you. Try the hard things. Be hard. You have been costing. You have been costing. Begin to reduce the fluid you are taking. Take only water. When you're about to faint, take some. <laughs> you know. But make practice hard things. And obviously the second one is is um, learn to resist doing the easy things you find enjoyable. So train yourself. Retrain yourself. The average American spends three hours a day watching TV because they have the stats. If we compare that to us, I think we are not lagging behind very much. So it's safe to say the average Nigerian spends three times, three hours, or two to three hours watching TV a day. Average Nigerian. So if you want to rise above average, cut it down. And use that time to do something that will add value to your life. Take a course online. There's Lagos code is going on. Enroll in the coding class. Learn a programming language. Learn another spoken language. Do something. Don't just sit mindlessly. You have to do something. Now, for instance, did you know that if you thank five people a day, every day to change your life, try it. I do that. At least I do more than five some days. Say thank you to at least five people every day. Depression will be far away from you. Unhappiness will be so far away. Just five people at the least and just say thank you. Thank you. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is this. That success in life depends on your ability to do the things that most people won't do. The things that most people would do is beckoning. It's a key to success. You do it. It's hard. You do it. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. You do it. It's uncomfortable, you do it. Prayer is hard, you pray. Oh, it's very difficult, stay there. But most people are not praying. The more reason why you should be praying, because you are going to be above average. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, you are going to be. 
app number seven, the GPS app. Now, every of these apps, every time I want to talk about each one, it's as if this is so important. You know, you must have heard me say that several times because they are all so important. So, so important. It's Isaiah 31, 30, 21. Isaiah 30, 21 says, your own hairs, your own, not your neighbor's hairs, not your pastor's hairs, not your husband's hairs, not your wife, your own hairs will hear. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way Walk in it, the way you should go. Either to the right hand or to the left. Don't wait until it's time for a major decision to want to hear God. Don't wait until it's time you want to make monetary investment. You have some money you need to invest. That's when you want to begin to hear God. It's too, it's not too late, but it's too, the stakes are too high. Don't wait until it's time for you to get married. It's time for you to get married. You, have no, you are not interested in hearing God before now, but it's time to get married. You want God to talk to you. Is this man the right man? Is this woman the right woman? <laughs> Begin to cultivate it even now with seemingly little things. Begin to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Begin to pay attention to if he's nudging you in whatever direction. Begin to pay attention. So that when it's time... To make the big decisions, you already know. You just need to get your, your blanket and put it over your head. And you will hear a voice saying, this is the way. <laughs> Working it. You know, years ago, I was uh, visiting the, the UK. And, you know, my father would rent a car every time we, we travel. So, we, we rented a car. You know, they, they, drive in, they drive on the wrong side of the road. And that's... that's his, um, challenging enough, you know, I, I, I use it to stimulate my mind because you have to be, you have to be conscious, you know, and it is mentally challenging to switch from left hand to right hand to right hand to left hand, you know, to just use it for practice, you know. So, this day I was um, going to church. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't the pastor. I was just attending church. And I had the GPS, I set it to the destination. And it started out on the route. I was going to get there in good time. And there was road construction on the way. And the GPS recalculated another route, which would make me get to church late. Now, getting to church late was an issue for me. Because I'm going to church to honor God, to worship God. Why should I go late? So for those of you that have come to church late today, you need to change in Jesus' name. You need to change. Why should you be coming to church late? Why? You've come to meet with God, not man. So, so I sat down there and I was tapping the staring. Oh, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Lord, what do I do? What do I do? You would think that, I mean, it's something bigger because it's big. I could take the direction of that GPS, but I knew I was going to, definitely going to get church late. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, the car in front of you, follow the car if you want to get to church early. How do you even begin to phantom that kind of instruction? I should follow a strange car in a strange land. And as soon as he said it, the car pulled out. 
And as the car pulled out, I had a split second to decide, am I going to obey or am I going to, am I going to stay put and not obey? I followed the car. <laughs> and the car took, I mean, this was pretty much the beginning of the journey. So it wasn't that we we're almost there. The car took some, I don't know. I was just following, 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 follow, 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 follow. Then we got to the traffic light. Then it was time to go. As the car moved, I looked up, I saw the church. And I was there earlier than they started. Praise the name of the Lord. That is experimenting. You're hearing from God. That is, you are I'm not taking this to, is it, <laughs> pastor. Okay, pastor, has God told, have you felt God told you to do something and it happened to be wrong? Of course. That is also even a learning curve because I go back and I check what did I get wrong and I learn and I move on. Next time I will still listen. You have to listen. God is speaking to you. God wants to speak to you. You have to take the time. In fact, what I will challenge you to do. It's, it's, it's what I do. You know, just take a time. Block out a certain amount of time. Consistently for yourself. Where you are just silent. Sit there and make yourself open. You are tempted to pray in tongues. Shh. Keep quiet. Shh. Don't say anything. Just be still and know that I am God. Try 15 minutes a week. You know, for me, Mondays are like blocked out for me. Shut down. Put everything off. There's a period of Monday that everything is off. And I'm just sitting there. I'm open to God. I'm just there, available for service. Waiting on him. Just try it. I'm not saying... As soon as you try, thunder will strike. Oh, and you hear your name. Juliet, Juliet. You know, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But you see, when you do that, it makes you more attuned to God's promptings for the rest of the week. It makes you more attuned to his voice and to his leading. And sometimes he actually visits you. In fact, there was a lady that I used to disciple and she was saying to me, I was teaching her these things, you know, I mean, it was years ago. And she was saying to me that, ah, that she's afraid. I said, why? I said, what happened? She says that when she got to the place, she shut her door, she sat down. I said to her, you know, what I, what I said to people is that when you sit down, posture is very important in the spirit realm. Open your hands on the table like this. It's, 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 you are opening yourself up. Don't clench your fist. Just keep it open. And sit down and wait. She said, she said, the first time it happened, that for her, her body, goose pimples just begin to rise to her body. Then she, she felt as if something entered. She, she ran out of the room. <laughs> this is, she tried again. The same thing happened. She said, she ran out of the She's not going to do it again. No. So I said to her, that, what were you, you weren't expecting that they would come? It's just like somebody saying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And God is speaking. Say to God, God, wait, I'm praying. <laughs> so I said to her, that, what do you expect? I'm not saying every time they will come, obviously. You know. Personally, <laughs> pivotal times 
directional change in my life. I'm in that place and they walk in room. And they walk in and give me the next instructions for the next. And I come out, I just take the turn. When I take the turn, people are like, is it crazy? Why is it? At the end of the day, ah, it must be God. After the fact. After the fact. Learn to block out your time. Learn to be still. John 10. John 10 that we read, verse 4, says that after they had gathered his, his own flock, he walked ahead of them. They follow him. Why did they follow him? Because they know his voice. When you hear his voice, would you know it? Would you follow it? 27 says, my sheep listen. They listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's Jesus saying. So what, what, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is this. Everyone that becomes wealthy and successful don't joke with what they call their God feel. But we call it God feel. <laughs> they don't joke with it. There are people that before they employ, no matter how big the organization is, they must meet the person that they are interviewing. That is coming in. A friend of mine that, I mean, when we left school, I went to work for Microsoft back in the day. He said, at the end of the orientation, one meeting they were having for the new intakes, Bill Gates came in. I mean, Bill Gates showing up is like an angel has come in, you know. And he met all of them. He met all of them. By the time they resume work, some of them, are, he has weeded them out. Just like Gideon's army. You must go with your gut feel. Engage that. You see, you can employ one person and your whole business comes down. Do you know that? And you can employ one person and your whole business goes up. Like Joseph. He's carrying the hand of God. When you see someone that's carrying the right hand of God, employ them quickly. Sharply, sharply. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that the GPS app, totally indispensable. But you see, after getting instruction, after staying and knowing the direction that God wants you to take, you need the next app to make it useful. And that is the Courage app. You need the Courage app. That's app number eight. You need the Courage app. It takes courage to follow divine direction. It takes courage why? Because divine direction many times leads to change and change is not comfortable. Change is, is painful. Change is painful. But you see, you must accept change as a part of life. Change, you must accept it as a part of life. You know, how was your experience when you walked in here and you saw the orientation had changed? I would, I would like to hear you know, I'm going to have a chat support. You know, I was told that somebody stood for like 30 seconds. And, you know, they can't be progressed without change. It just makes sense. Because if you are doing the same thing, do you want to get different results? 
you have to be comfortable with change. In Genesis 28, 11, it talks about Jacob. It says, and Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Aram. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Aram. Now, that if you are looking at it, you are like, okay, what does that mean? Aram is the place where his destiny was waiting for him. His two beautiful wives were waiting for him where? Aram. His wonderful children were waiting for him where? In Aram. His wealth was waiting for him in Aram. But he had to leave Bathsheba before he can get to Aram. So you will never get to Aram if you are willing to leave Bathsheba. If you don't have the courage to leave Bathsheba, Aram will be far. As human beings, we struggle with change. You're like, ah, oh, let's just begin to do it as it was in the beginning. Now shall it be forever it shall be as it called, as it does. World without end, amen. No, God changes things. He changes seasons. Day unto day changes. If you look at the skies, the formation keeps changing. God wants you to be accustomed with pain. Change can be painful. But you have to be accustomed to it. I mean, if I tell you what it costs to change the auditorium like this. <laughs> but we are used to it. We are happy with it. We are comfortable with it. Many times we look at the cost of our lives and we are uncomfortable with it. We don't want to pay the price. And that's why many people remain average. They don't want to pay the price. They don't want to, they don't want to pay the price. They don't want to make the change. And God knows that. And that's why God sometimes, when there's a major change, God always allows for a period of getting used to the change. For instance, for the Jew, when the Jew gets married, the wedding ceremony of the Jew, you think Nigerians like to do weddings. The wedding ceremony of the Jews is seven days. Seven days, historically. And after seven days, they have one year of honeymoon. State-sponsored military exemption one year of honeymoon. Just get to know each other because your life is about to change forever. Pata pata. Your life has changed. You get married, your life has changed. So when you get married and you resume the, the work the following day, you're not really understanding. That's why a lot of marriages don't last because when the whole thing begins to hit them, People begin to fall into depression. People begin to be unhappy. Begin to fight their spouses. They begin to because the change is unprepared for. But if you check scriptures, every time there's a major change, God always allows for time of adjustment. Even when they are mourning, God gives them a period to mourn, to come out of it. Change is tough. But we have to do it. It's part of life. We have to do it. Because resisting it is pointless. There's no point resisting it. Why? Because uh, 
Resisting change does not prevent change. It only puts you on the back foot. When you resist change, you only put yourself on the back foot. It doesn't stop the change from happening. You know, some people, when they, when there was um, uh, Ford Model T, as we, we shared some time ago, when it was coming out, the people in the horse industry, they resisted it. They resisted it so much that some of them became totally irrelevant by the time the automobile industry kicked off. Totally irrelevant. Totally. When the printed press came, people re- resisted it. But they, become, they became totally, totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Just a function of time. When computers came, oh, it's going to take jobs from people. So, go and find something else to do that is relevant. That's how life is. It doesn't wait for anybody. There's no point resisting it. When the internet came, some people resisted it. To resist change is futile. You can't resist the internet. There's nothing you can do about it. You can only be on the front foot and use it for your own advantage. Also, money is changing. And some people are resisting it. Very fine financial brains. They are resisting cryptocurrencies. They're saying, oh, the blockchain is a fraud. It's, no, no, no. Your ignorance is the fraud. You, don't, you, you have no knowledge of how it works. That's the fraud. Also, Pastor, you're saying the blockchain, cryptocurrencies, we should pay attention to it. Of course, that's the future of money. Your children will be spending, if it's Bitcoin, it may not be Bitcoin, but they will be spending a cryptocurrency. You think they're going to spend Naira? Watch. It's going to, it's, it's, it is like a tsunami. There's nothing anybody can do about it. The best you can do about it, build blockchain applications. Begin to get into that space. Begin to, I mean, it's unbelievable. The industries that are going to be upset. The industries that are going to be jolted and turned upside down. But people are, no, it's not going to affect us. It doesn't work like that. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing. Stop trying to resist change. If there's a move, don't try to resist it. Wait and check. How can I be a part of this? How can I be at the forefront of this? How can I be at the forefront of it? When people sit and say, That is not going to work. Whenever you hear experts say something is not going to work, pay attention to that thing. Just do what? Pay attention to it. Follow your God feel. Follow your God feel. Why? Because you must be willing to trust your God feel. To step into the unknown. Must be willing to trust. This is what God is telling me. This is what God is telling me. This is what God is telling me. Trust it. You know. Those of us that are lovers of ice cream. Like. Like your pastor. (laughs) Say pastor you like ice cream. I just like it. It's very spiritual. 
If you don't believe me, try it. You just take one spoon, you see visions. You know, oh, man. <laughs> ben and Jerry, the, um, the brand, you know Ben and Jerry? If you, if you don't know Ben and Jerry, you are not into ice cream. And it's, it's a global ice cream brand today. They used to be a bagel delivery company, delivering bagels. That was all they were doing. But the owners had this gut feel that no, we should be selling ice cream. They like ice cream. It's not, some people say, oh, it's not healthy. Oh, it's not uh, good for the teeth. Oh, it's not, but people want it and people will pay for it. And it's not killing them. Sell it. So they started selling it. Today, obviously, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, there was a man in Japan, Mr. Toyoda, with DA. <laughs> Mr. Toyoda, in the, uh, when Japan's economy was booming, at the first rise, the middle class was becoming boisterous. And he felt that, as an industrialist, that people will need fine clothing. So he invested heavily in, in weaving and clothing machinery. And he started producing clothing and nothing was moving. He was selling, but <laughs> he wasn't making a profit. Then he had a gut feel, he said. You know, this is gut feel. It's God trying to help them. They may not know God, but it's God trying to help them. That he should change what it was producing from clothes to cars. So with the same, most of the machines used were the same to produce the Toyota brand. Today, Toyota is everywhere. Now, if this guy did not follow his gut feel, we won't have that problem. Maybe God will give it to somebody else, which is usually what happens. Do you know that? Whenever God gives somebody an idea and you don't run with it, how many times have you gone out and Six months, six months after God has given you, you saw somebody else doing, and like, ah, that's my idea. No, it's not. That was an idea you didn't work on, but God trusted somebody else with, and the person worked on it. We have to understand that if we don't take the step, nothing happens. You have to take the step. You have to be courageous. But it's painful. Yes, it's painful. But I'm not accustomed to it. Well, that is how it flows. That is the stream of wealth. And this year is a year of new streams. And we're going to have new streams of wealth in Jesus' name. And, you know, guess what? Streams of wealth flow to those that are flexible. Be flexible. Be flexible. I'm not saying you should be doing, having change that are crazy every time. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you should be having senseless change every time. No. Toyota changed once from weaving to car. Until today, it's only changing to produce better cars. Same thing with Ben and Jerry. Same thing. So, don't Resist change. Be flexible. Be flexible. You know, I, I, I remember, I mean, years ago, you know, I, I, I give you guys this story. You know, I initiated in the ATM service for time. 
when I was leaving paid employment, you know, my wife and I were on vacation at some point in, in our lives. What year was that? I can't remember. And we were talking about our financial future. And, you know, and I just said to my, you know, we're in that conversation, that, look, listen, this work job, I love what I'm doing, you know, but what I'm doing doesn't appear to love me, you know, financially. So I had this business plan that I was going to. So we came back, I resigned. And I had, you know, thought through everything. And I came for a church program. It was a night vigil somewhere outside of Lagos. And my laptop was stolen from the car. I put it, I put it under the seat. That's why we take security seriously in this church. No laptop loss in, I mean, how many years? Let's clap for the security guys. You can't see them. They are sitting beside you. <laughs> If you, if you look too long at somebody's bag, they're going to pick you up. <laughs> so, I, so, I mean, I was really pained. I mean, because, again, which is why we take these this, things we take seriously here. It's born out of pain. My business plan, all the documents I gathered, everything was gone. And I sat there. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Did you know that <laughs> I think I had to give three months notice because of my level. I think that happened month two. I have just one month to go. Did you know that? By the time I finished work, it was a totally different business that God opened up for me. Totally different. I would never have gone that direction if I had that laptop. I would have been plowing. In retrospect, maybe I was praying at the vigil and God says, we have to steal this boy's laptop. <laughs> if we don't allow them to we have to allow them. So, uh, we call the angel that is beside my car. Can you step away a little bit? Let those boys pick that laptop. And they pick the laptop. Then, it can reorient me. It was painful. It was painful. But in retrospect, I was glad they stole that laptop. That business I wanted to do it was not going to work. <laughs> in retrospect. So as painful as change can be, it is the path to wealth. It is the path to wealth. Stop wasting time. Get moving. Start something. Action. Take action. Take action. Time is so precious. It's so precious. You can't be thinking, 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 thinking all the time. You need to take action. You need to take action. Don't just sit around wasting time. Take action. Time is an interesting phenomenon in, in, in the Hebrew. Time is the word. The word for time is the word zman, which means invitation. 
So the passage of time is an invitation for us to make the best out of it. Every time time passes, stop killing time. Don't just do things, oh, I just want to while away time. No, stop. Remove that from your dictionary. See time as an invitation. I have been invited to take this opportunity. What if the road is not clear? Try. You know, a classic story in Exodus 14, Exodus 14 about Moses, Exodus 14, 15 and 16. It says, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying? Now, the Jews have left Egypt. There's the Red Sea before them. The enemy is behind them. They are in front of the Red Sea. And Moses was crying to God, God, what are we going to do? And God says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to move forward, to get moving. Then, verse 6, pick up your staff and raise your hand and divide it, the Red Sea. So, if you read it in, just like that, you, you may miss what has happened there. What happened here was that God told Moses to tell the people to start moving first before he raised his hand and parted the Red Sea. So, imagine Moses says to the people, get moving. God has told me what to do. Or you will tell me what to do. And the water is in the front of them. Guess what the Jews did? They walked in the water. Some people, the water was hair. Some people, waist. Some people, chest level. God says move. Some people, the water is about to open their mouth. God says move. <laughs> the people moved before Moses raised his hands. But as they were moving, the water began to part and give way and give way and give way and give way. If they didn't move, in fact, the crossing of the Jordan of, by these same people made it clearer to us how God does these things. It's as The Bible was clear in that narration that as the priests stepped into the water, you remember that story? The water parted. The water won't part. Stop waiting for a bridge. There will be no bridge until you move. Stop waiting for a bridge. The water will not part until you move. But when you move, the water will part. Cross now. The way through will present itself. Just cross. You just cross. Just cross. The way through will present itself. The problem is also that we just want to be strategizing, be thinking. Listen, nothing gets done by just thinking. You have to get up and do something. Nothing gets done by just thinking. Say, but Pastor, this fear, can you give us a formula to eliminate fear? I'm about to give you that now. Are you ready? What I'm about to tell you is how do we eradicate fear. Where's your pen? You ready to write? Okay. I'll show you how to eradicate fear for the rest of your life. <laughs> and this is how to eradicate fear. We don't eradicate fear. Fear cannot be eradicated. You have to live with it. You have to be comfortable with it. You have to... Is it so, so, Pastor, you mean people that appear to be fearless, guess what? People that appear to be fearless have learned the art of acting in spite of their fear. 
That's what's the difference. People that appear to be fearless will tell you, ask anyone that has done anything great. They will tell you that, ah, their heart was shaking, but they were moving anyway because there's no alternative that they've given themselves. You have to learn to be comfortable with fear. Don't feel small or insignificant if you feel fear. That's, that's what the enemy tries to, to, to make us feel. Like we are small, we are insignificant once we begin to, to feel fear. God says, no, don't feel, don't feel small. Don't feel in, insignificant. In fact, I, I dare say to you today that you should make fear your friend. Be comfortable in his presence. So you have come again. No. Let it mean nothing to you. Proverbs 3.25a says to us that you need not be afraid of sudden disaster. There's no point to be afraid of fear. Don't, don't be afraid of it. That's what the Bible says. Make it your, your friend. Just be comfortable. How do you be comfortable with fear? Focus on where God is taking you. But I'm afraid. Just keep your focus. And keep moving. Pastor, are you saying that you feel fair too? Yes, I do. Are you saying you've not been able to eradicate fair? I tell you I'm fearless. Or you, it appears I'm fearless. But I'm telling you that I actually do feel fair. But it doesn't paralyze me. Fair just means that I know the gravity of what is at stake. That's all. That's all it means. This is a huge thing at stake. I know what it is, and I'm going to go for it anyway. Praise the name of God. So, success in making money comes from the ability to change and to deal with pain. Final app. That we are going to talk about. Which is app number nine. Is the giving app. The giving app. In Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaking together to make room for more. Running over poured into your laps. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. God says give and it will come back to you in an amazing measure. You know, I shared the story of how some time ago, not too long ago, you know, I was at home and I felt God wanted me to give some money to a particular guy. I mean, again, like I said, the money was not small for my level. It may be small for your level, but it wasn't small. It wasn't, it wasn't 10K or 50K or anything in that region. Let me just stop there. And not that 10K or 50K is small to me, don't get me wrong, but I mean. <laughs> so it wasn't small. And I, I was a little low, you know, on cash. And I felt God says, sent this guy the money, some money, and this amount. So I said, okay. So I took my phone, 
and sent him the money. I did not even pray or anything. I just obeyed and left it. Now, this one was very dramatic. I'm not saying it happens like that every time like that. But this one was very dramatic. The following day, my phone just began to buzz. What you would call alerts. And a particular one of them was ten times what I gave this guy. And the guy called me and said, Oh, Pastor, I've been looking for your number. You know, he saw your account number. I just found it. I'm so sorry. I should have sent you this money since I just found your account number. I said, in Jesus' name, everybody looking for my account number. <laughs> what is Find it. <laughs> what was all that? But guess what? Guess what? It's not even, I, I don't even think that's a good prayer. That's a, I think it's a foolish prayer. But it's just a joking prayer, you know. What determined it was my obedience. How come it was when I gave? You could say it's coincidence. That's your business. The principle of God's word is for, alive forever. How come it was when I gave? The fall, how come it, that's when people begin to find the number they cannot find? It's a good prayer. The people that need to find you are not. Let them begin to find it. <laughs> but you yourself, you have to do what God wants you to do. God wants us to Lighten people's load. He wants us to help people. In Deuteronomy 22 verse 4, it says that if you see that your neighbor's donkey or ox has collapsed on the road, do not look the other way. It says go and help your neighbor get it back on its feet. Go. So, remember, we are ordered to help. You are not ordered to take responsibility for. You know, unfortunately, some people that feel that they should be helped want people to take responsibility for them. You don't want people to take responsibility for them. You're married to a man, uh, not married to a man, you're dating a man, is not responsible. You got pregnant, the first baby, you come to church, you feel God's people should help you. God's people helped you. The man did not show up or pay anything. You got pregnant again for the man the second time. The same man. Then you come to church. After all, you people are God's people. Then, then the church helped you. Then you got pregnant again the third time. Same man. I'm not saying you should be a different man. I'm just, I'm just saying that. It doesn't make sense. God has not helped, told us to take responsibility for people's lives. God has told us to help people help themselves. So, your giving should help people help themselves. Your, peop, your giving should not take the responsibility out of people's hands. It should help people help themselves. Imagine, let's paint that picture. In our own time and age, we don't do donkeys anymore and horses. So we do cars, right? You see your neighbor's car. It's packed. You know, somebody in church that you know, it's, it's, it, it, I mean, the lady has a flat tire or the, or the guy has a flat tire. The Bible says don't drive past. Don't look in another direction. Stop and help, right? So what if you stop and help? As the guy sees you, you say, ah, 
you are here. Ah, thank you. I've been, I've been wanting to change this tie. I said, I saw you, that was why I came. Then he goes, opens his car, and sits in it. He said, the jackets are the, the boots are the boots. What would you do? I just enter my car and drive off. And heaven will bless you for that. That's what God expects you to do. Unfortunately, we mix things up and we think, also we have relatives that try to blackmail us, try to make us feel like we are horrible people. You are not helping your brothers. You are not helping your sister. Let the brothers help themselves first. And God help all of us. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So when it comes to giving, God wants us to deploy the generosity app. You can call it generosity app also. Or the giving app. When it comes to living, God wants us to live within our means. But when it comes to giving, God wants us to give beyond our means. That's God's heart. Don't live beyond your means, but give beyond your means. Give beyond your means. We must understand this. I told you about my rabbi. He told the story. This rabbi, the Jewish rabbi, is not a Christian. I'm not sure he's saved. But it's so um, open and amazing guy, you know. So he was telling us about his Christian friend who is a businessman in the medical field, the medical entrepreneur. And he says, the pastor of this is friend, David, that was the name of his friend, said to him, David, the church is about to build. I want you to make a commitment of $2 million towards this building. And David said to Rabbi that at that time, the total revenue of his business was less than a million dollars, maybe $700,000 or something. Revenue, not profit. So how can he in two years give $2 million? But the pastor says, I think you should pray about it and, you know, and consider doing it. And David said he committed to it. And he was, and Rabbi was saying that as David committed to it, this same business paid off that $2 million before two years. Now, this was not a Pentecostal rabbi. It's a Jewish rabbi. And he said something that I can never forget. It sounds simple, but it's so profound. He said, we must give before we get. And that's the spiritual nature of money. You see, many times, we want to get before we give. Oh, pastor, let me, let God bless me the business then. I will shake body. God says, shake body and I will bless the business. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. 
It is the spiritual nature of money. It's mystical. That's, it's, you can't explain it. How do you explain the fact that when you give something away, you, you actually have more? How, does that, that doesn't even make an economic sense. But it's a spiritual thing. Remember we started by saying money is what? Money is spiritual. Now when it comes to giving to God, the word, the Hebrew word for tithing is the word asher. Everybody say asher. And asher is the same word for wealth. The same word. Context free. The same word. So giving to God tithing and wealth totally inseparable. Totally. Some people try to convince us otherwise. They try to say, oh, Titan is um, Old Testament. You know? But no, 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 it's not. That's so wrong. That is lack of understanding. Jesus explained to us in John 7, if you have been coming for tribe, we've, we've um, unpacked this a lot. In John 7, 21, it says, Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you are amazed. <laughs> but you walk on Sabbath too, you know, when you obey Moses' law for circumcision. Now, Jesus now brings out something from that. He says, when it's the Sabbath, you circumcise your sons. He says, but that is not wrong. You have actually done the right thing. Because actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. And he now says in verse 24, look beneath the surface so that you can judge correctly. So what, what Jesus was saying to them is what I've been trying to explain for a long time now. Uh, and that is there are things that we cannot erase. Like I'm erasing these things from the world. There are things that we cannot um, say that, oh, I don't like how that sounds. So I'm going to erase it. So what, Moses, what, what Jesus was explaining to them was this. That Jesus was saying to them, like, guys, look at this. That circumcision. This is Adamic line. The Adamic line. Right? Jesus was saying circumcision started with the Abrahamic covenant. Before the Mosaic covenant. So when the Mosaic Covenant comes to non-effect, when it is cancelled by the cross, the Abrahamic Covenant continues. So the, there are things that precede the law. You can't wipe them out because the law is wiped out. Circumcision is one. Guess what? Tithing is another. Tithing preceded the law. Genesis 14. So Jesus was saying, 
Some things precede the law. Put it up now. Some things precede the law. Put the big screen on as you do. Some girl. Some, some things precede the law before being incorporated into the law. It says, therefore, cannot be abolished with the law. Is that not what we've been saying since? Some things precede, circumcision preceded the law, society preceded the law. Guess what? The law of love preceded the law. So you cannot say, oh, Ten Commandments is of none effect. The law of Moses has, has the cross has, has, has taken care of it. I don't have to, you know, the Bible says that thou shalt not steal. So, because I'm not under the law, you go about stealing people's money. No, 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 no. The law of love preceded the law, and the law of love says love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So we see here that God wants us to deploy our giving up, our generosity up. If you look at Genesis 26, 12 to 14, you see, the Bible says that, and Isaac sowed in the land. Isaac, in the land, the same year there was a famine. The same year, Genesis 26, you have that scripture. Isaac sowed in the land. If you look at it on the surface, it's like sowing if there's a famine, what typical farmers do is to keep their harvest because they don't know how long the famine will last so that their families can survive. What Isaac did was it was famine, he took a part of the harvest and, and sowed it. Unbelievable. Everyone that works with God understands how these things work. Everyone. So, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. Giving is one of the greatest tools you have in becoming wealthy. I can share my own life story over and over. Different. It's too much. Too plenty. You know, over and over and over. So we started by explaining our wealth operating system. Then we talked about the first app, which was the Marketplace app. After the Marketplace app, we talked about what? Come on. Creativity app. Creativity app. After creativity app, we talked about sales app. After the sales app, we talked about... After the responsibility app, we talked about connectivity app. After the connectivity app, we talked about... (laughs) You're still scrolling. (laughs) Character. That's just today now. After the character app, we talked about the... GPS. After the GPS app, we talked about the... And after the Courage app, we talked about the... The... The Giving app. The Generosity app. Now there's an app that makes all this app kick, tick. 
It's the app that makes all this app function. It's like if you want to draw an analogy with your iPhone, it's like your keychain. It's where all your passwords are stored. It's what authenticates you and makes you legit. And it's called the, the Sonship app. Without the Sonship app, the WOS will not even install. The Marketplace app will not work. The Sales app will not work. The Creativity app will not work. The Character app, no chance. GPS, without Sonship, no chance. Courage, no chance. Giving, no chance. So I want to pray with you if you're here. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. And you're like, Pastor, I need this sonship app. I used to be with God, but I'm not with God anymore. I want to give my life to Jesus afresh. Or I want to come back to him. Can you pray with me? I want my sonship app installed. If that is you. You're saying, Pastor, should I come forward? You don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you wherever you're seated. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, I will pray together. I want the sonship app. I want to be confident to say, I am a son of the living God. If you're up, you're up your hand well. Shoot it up over your head. And, and we'll pray together. Just of us, let's talk to God. And let's say to him, Father, I open my heart. If you have your hand well, put it up well. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Another hand over there. Another hand there. God bless you. Don't be bashful. It's okay. Once you have the card, you can put it on your hand. Nobody wants to embarrass anybody. But we want to give you an opportunity to make that step. That is me. Put up that hand and we'll pray together. Just of us, let's talk to God about what we have heard. What have you heard today? Oh, Father, Kaite Mahazandi Kiado Lala Kianda Basahataliande. Lord, we thank you. We pray for everyone that is surrendering to you. We ask that you breathe upon them. Change these lives, Lord. Let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord, for his kindness and his mercy.